Welcome everyone to another episode of the Hit Show Heights, the country's first and only show to provide open conversation about the development of the local and regional cannabis industry. I'm Sonny Bling. Joining me is the Heights panel of Joshua C. Mongol this evening, Derek Achong and Michael Ramsing. Remember to follow Heights, H-I-G-H-T-T-S on Facebook, Instagram, and on YouTube at Heights. There you can find exclusive video content, behind-the-scenes footage, and recaps of past episodes. Now, before we begin, please be advised that Slam on the Blue 0.5 FM, Freedom on the 6.5 FM, and the hosts of this program do not advocate for the use of cannabis. We are aware that many people consume cannabis, but we urge you to please use it in moderation if you do. And if you believe you are dependent on cannabis, please seek assistance. Now, let's get into heights. Our first guest tonight is no stranger to the program. Attorney C.J. Williams is the managing partner of C.J. Williams and Company and is a criminal defense and human rights attorney and advocate. This evening, he will be joining us as a guest panelist as we discuss the regional cannabis industry. So as we set to get into our conversation uh, this evening... Drop my disclaimer on you one more time. This is Heights, where knowledge grows. Slam 100.5 FM, Freedom 106.5, and the hosts of this program do not advocate the sale, distribution, or transportation of cannabis, especially for persons under the age of 18. Greetings, CJ. Welcome again to Heights. Uh, are you looking forward to this evening's show? How are you doing? I'm fine, sir. I'm fine, sir. I'm fine, Mr. It's a pleasure, pleasure to have you on board. You speak so um, You speak so... Humbly when you're on the radio programs, that boy, you, 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 you never know the same gentleman that you see in person. I'm a shy person, Sonny. I'm a well, shy I, person. I mean that. You get to realize that. You get to realize. You get to realize um, that, that, that. You get to realize that some people kind of, you know, as I say, they see them, they're real bubbly in person when you see them. When you hear them speak, public speaking is not for everybody. I think, I, I think from my experience in court, that, that, that's really how he is. I mean, his, his smile sometimes bigger than his mouth. <laughs> his smile is sometimes bigger than his mouth. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. I understand that, I understand that. So it's a pleasure to have you back on our program once again and welcome to Heights. This is actually episode number seven, if I'm not mistaken. We've been having a fantastic run here. We've had quite a few um, guests on this program. I'm sure you would have heard from former Attorney General um, Faris Al-Rawi. We've had our friend out there in Massachusetts, who's also on with us. We've had folks from, from Jamaica on board on the program, and we're going to have some more this evening as well. But talk to us. What's going on with you? And, of course, the cannabis industry. What latest development you'd like to share with us? Well, basically, um, when it comes to the cannabis industry, it's just, you know, like waiting with eager anticipation for our um, work A, whether or not the president will um, proclaim more sent to the cannabis bill. And because that bill has been sent to her, but we haven't heard anything as yet from the president's office. Uh-huh. So once that happens, that is when, when really and truly I would say, like, you know, like, the action now start, the party now start, basically. So we're still not playing the game yet? No, not as yet. No. What do you, what, what, so far, do you know what's been sent to the president? Um, well, what would have been sent um, to the president, basically, will be what was debated in the House of Representatives, as mm-hmm. well as the House and um, the Senate, mm-hmm. and all the changes that they made, that would have been sent to the President, basically. Are you privy to those things? No, I, um, that's above my pay grade. That's above your pay grade. <laughs> what do you, is there, are, there, are there expectations as someone in the legal fraternity as to what should be in these bills or what you would like to hear from the President? What I would like to hear from the President is to whether or not we shall... Um, 
we shall really fulfill our international mandate to the International Narcotics Control Board. Mm -hmm. That is what really I want the president to do from a retrospective point of view. So like, despite whatever might have been placed uh, by the politicians, I wanted to adopt our overall global approach to see whether or not our politicians has, have actually come up to scratch in terms of the legal framework we currently have. And do you see, do you see that as something being done? As in, you think we're going to go that road or we're going to find a way to cut that corner? I am really and truly having faith, hope, and trust in the president, who is a very um, smart young lady with a great legal background, not to cut any legal corners for the future of our country. Okay, okay, no, okay. No, but, but CJ, is, I mean, I know you, you just you know, express some concerns <coughs> about the legislation and, and in terms of our international um, treaty obligations. Um, yes. You know, does the president really have the power to, to, to intervene in a situation like that? Or is it that she is just, or he, depending on who is the president at the time, is just a rubber stamp that will have to rubber stamp legislation passed by parliament when they say to and proclaim it? No, um, I actually would never, ever, ever like to call the highest office holder in our country a mere rubber stamp, despite um, public perception, because um, the office um, does have the power basically to say that this legislation may not conform to her greater, what the greater goals and our objectives, or may be contrary to the development of the country. Because remember, the president is the chief of the, um, chief of the command forces. So anything that may be contrary to our national security, she would have a direct input. To, to seek to mitigate against any such um, harm to yeah. our nation, basically. No, but CJ, um, you know, specifically, what are your concerns in terms of um, to our international treaty obligations? Because, I mean, you know, this, I mean, similar legislation, this, our legislation is actually based on, is amalgamation and, and a kind of hybrid of several other Caribbean nations that would have done so already. Um, and, you know, have taken the next step and have already started to give out licenses and, and begin production. And in some cases, I can send Vincent, we'll, our next guest, we'll talk more about that in terms of exporting to Germany in their case. You know, I mean, what, what is your specific concerns that, you know, they, 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 these countries have been able to maneuver around or I, I don't know, maybe it's a situation where they ignore it at their own peril, maybe out <laughs> a later time. Um, so... Basically, like once you are involved in the narcotics game, everyone must know that the International Narcotics Control Board dominates this particular market. The International Narcotics Control Board, they have something called the Annual Review Questionnaire, which basically a country has to give all the information possible with respect to your international legal obligations. So, for example, in the Caribbean, Jamaica, for example, they have not complied with the requirements of the International Narcotics Control Board. St. Vincent, they have not done so either. Trinidad and Tobago, we also have not done so. But on the flip side now, you have like the real countries like Mexico, who has a wealth of history in this narcotics game, basically. They have complied partially with their obligations. So, if we are starting up something that we don't have the proper information to place before our international partners basically then we all run the risk of being deemed like a rogue drug nation state basically oh i, I mean e eventually because i mean you know, the counter argument to that I'm, i mean I, i'm not saying that that your concern is not valid but the counter argument to that is like with, with international relations currently is that you know we, the question is, is are these international agencies such as the un and all these things really toothless bulldogs we can watch the example i mean yeah russia was sanctioned but 
you know, I mean, did they really able was they were they really able to stop the war that's currently waging in Ukraine and in other countries? Hundred and three days later. <laughs> okay, well to answer your question directly, right? What should be a major concern is being a toothless bulldog where Russia and their power to survive on their self and their economy will be leaps and bounds greater than that of Trinidad and Tobago. No one can argue that point. So moving on from that now, <laughs> when it is <laughs> So moving on from that now, right? So what it is, you have the Prime Minister of the country being called to Barbados to basically answer questions about your banking system. Can we in this country really and truly um, afford to play games with our banking sector locally and economically, well, locally and internationally? That answer will be no. So it's not a matter that we could take a gamble on this. It's not like trick or treat, basically, no. Okay, so what you're saying is everything is interconnected, you know, in terms of the financial sectors and stuff like that. So we mightn't think about it in, in, in decriminalizing something like cannabis, but all these are the, the, the unforeseen sometimes ramifications that come later down the line that we think that we should dot the I's and cross the T's in advance so that we don't run afoul. Yes, you know, get rich quickly. I mean, let's hope we don't die trying, basically. That is the, um, the principle in which we must have at this stage, basically. All right, so here's what's happening with us here, folks. Of course, welcome to Heights. This is where knowledge grows that we are hearing from our legal representative in the house this evening, Mr. C.J. Williams, and it's a pleasure to have him here with us. Now, I want to speak with you for maybe like two more minutes again because what we're going to do, we actually have an international guest and another regional guest that we'd like to bring in in a short while. So before that, any other questions that we have for our, our legal representative that we have in here right now? Talk yeah. to us. C.J. Joshua, um, Thanks for coming out again. What, I just wanted to get your thoughts on the potential of the regional cannabis market in your in your in your um, perspective. What, what, what do you think? What do you think of the potential? Um, I think basically I divide it into two. Okay. I divide the market into the research and development um, aspect of cannabis industry. I think that Trinidad specifically could be um, a leader, not just in the Caribbean but in the Americas, basically, which is back to research and development into the pillars that form cannabis and cannabis legislation, which includes counter-terrorism also, specifically, um, in terms of supply of a product. I think that globally, our product will stand the test of time once we have the proper framework. So on both sides of the fence, we, the Caribbean, and, and actually, yeah, and you know, like once um, the whole Caribbean comes together, we basically have a global product that we could make income to help us through this post-COVID depression time, and not just for this generation, but for future generations also. Yes, CJ, um, a, a different question, not on, <laughs> on necessarily on, on, on cannabis, the, the, um, the cannabis control bill, which was recently passed by Booth House of Parliament, but um, in terms of the, the, the first legislative step that the government took in terms of the Dangerous Drug Act, the intention was to decriminalize cannabis to you know ease put an ease on the on the court system in terms of persons being prosecuted for small small amounts of marijuana simple possession yes um you know from your experience in the, as a criminal defense attorney um you know have you seen that decrease in cases because i mean from my experience in magistrate court you know that used to be on the charge case list that used to be the number <laughs> one matter that, you know yes. in addition to little traffic offenses which the government would, would have also taken action um in terms of dealing with an Changing up the system a bit. Um, well, to answer your question directly, that would be yes, that has occurred, that's good. But however, a flaw, not just in Trinidad alone, but in Jamaica and throughout the Caribbean also, is that um, persons who have been convicted for these small amounts of cannabis, are they and will they then be entitled to 
become a business owner or a license holder in the cannabis industry. Meaning while still holding the while still holding the charge as in the charge against the name. Yes. As in a recorder. Yes. A record. Yes. Yes. Correct. All right. All right. Well, you know what? We're going to take a quick commercial break because what's happening right now, when we return, after a quick break, we're going to have a talk with, um, we're going to start some other talks now, two major players in the regional cannabis industry. First of all, we're going to have the Minister of Agriculture, Fisheries, Rural Transformation, Industry and Labor of St. Vincent and the Grenadines. All right. And then later on in the show, we will speak with the chairman of the Jamaican Cannabis Licensing Authority. So make sure and keep it locked on. This is Heights, where knowledge grows. We were just speaking with CJ Williams live in studio with us this evening.